Hey, good afternoon, Adam. How are you today? I'm fantastic, Jack. How about yourself? I am excellent. Absolutely excellent. Why am I excellent? Because the sun is shining. It never shines in Cleveland. <laughs> only on only on rainy days, and we can't see it. So, <laughs> so another nice day, and uh, we got a special show today, which is uh, pretty good. I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to let you, Adam, introduce our guests. But before I do that, I'm Jack Mancini. This is Adam Sunhalter. We're uh, business coaches during our daytime jobs. And that means we deal with people who own businesses and usually have less than 25 employees. Any industry anywhere in the world, we can touch them and probably help them out. We had 20 years experience doing this stuff. And there's very few things we haven't seen and helped solve. So we have a lot of fun doing it too. And we often have guests on our show, which is what we're going to do now. And Adam's going to introduce our guests, two wonderful guests. I will, yes. Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Uh, as Jack said, we've been coaching together for 20 years. We've been actually doing the show now for over six years. We have over 300 podcasts that are, that are out there, and they're, they're geared to kind of stand the test of time. And uh, usually, you know, we're at the point now, maybe it's like, like once a month, we're having some, some entrepreneurs back on to be able to kind of share their stories. And we find these stories to be very helpful very inspirational, very insightful. Um, and so we're, we're excited to bring on today. We've got, we've got a, a, a great pair of partners here. We've got Scott Frierkson and Chris Mosier. Am I pronouncing that right, Chris, last name? That's correct, Mosier, yep. All right, and they're with Lakefront Living International. And they got great stories in terms of, you know, each have very interesting careers to start with, but then they, they came together about, about eight years ago. And so we're gonna, we're gonna let them kind of, uh, uh, kind of get some of their stories going. But first of all, welcome Scott, welcome Chris. Glad to have you both here today. Glad to be here. Well, no, this is exciting. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. We always like to get these these stories out, and and one of the things that we often do is people will often be dragging their knuckles about, gee, there's no opportunities. There's you know, there's things that they, I can't do this or can't do that, or they're working for somebody else. And I think one of the things that people will, will get hopefully inspired by or, or enthused about today is we, they hear about both your stories because both both you had different uh, career paths that that you're on. And, you know, you probably never could have figured out the path that got you to where you are today, but it's great to see that kind of how things kind of wander and start to happen. But uh, there are so many opportunities in this world. Uh, it's just unbelievable. And right. it always surprises us, the little niches that are out there that people glom onto and they make a living and not only a living, but they grow companies and, and opportunities that are just, you know, it's amazing. We, we, get, we get a lot of charge out of that. We really do. You guys fit that bill very well. So awesome. It's it's fun living it. If you had told me 20 years ago that this would be happening, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's been exactly. Fun. <laughs> exactly. It's fun to hear it. Like, geez, where did this idea come from? Right. Very good. So so Scott, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off, just kind of you know, give people a little background, kind of you know, where you grew up, kind of your early career that kind of led you to uh to, to starting <laughs> Lakefront Living. But you give give folks a little, little background in terms of uh what you were doing beforehand. Sure. Well, I'm up here in, uh, in the Northeast. <clears throat> and I'll apologize for my voice right away because I woke up with a sore throat today. So hopefully we can make it through this. Um, so I'm in Massachusetts and uh, I grew up uh, in the corporate world. So I'm kind of a corporate world refugee and survivor, if you will. <laughs> so uh, I was in it for probably 17 years uh, in the robotics industry and mechanical engineering industry. So um, but it was funny because I never really felt like I belonged there. So come 9-11, I decided to make a change and um, 
for whatever reason, that was my catalyst and uh, got into real estate and then got into selling lakefront. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Mass on a lake and lived here my whole life and loved the whole lifestyle. And um, once you live on a lake, it is hard to get it out of your blood. So I uh, started focusing a uh, real estate career on, on lakefront property and it's just blossomed ever since. All right. So that's so almost 20 years in, in corporate world. And we'll touch on this as we, as we get more into it in terms of where that helps you out a lot. Um, before we do that, Chris, why don't you give people a little background here, um, you know, kind of where you started, how you how you got into real estate? So I'll go way back. I never truly did corporate America. I was a stay-at-home mom. And um, when my uh, kids, uh, my two daughters, uh, got to school age, I thought, you know what? I uh, I need to get back out. And I always just wanted to do real estate. And um, so I got my license. And unfortunately, I went through a divorce at the same time. So it was, it was a tough start in real estate for me. Uh, the emotions of going through something like that, raising two kids, and then no one teaches you how to do transactions when you're a realtor. And I was with Remax, which was a wonderful company to me. So um, I just decided I need to dive into learning uh, every coaching um, conference, just inundate myself with what I could find out there to teach me how to do all this. And um, fast forward many years, um, about eight, year, eight, nine years ago. Actually, no, I'm so sorry. 2016, I did meet a wonderful man. We got married and um, we ended up uh, buying a lake house about an hour from our house. Uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio. And our lake house is at Apple Valley Lake. Which, and um, we're, Bruce and I were sitting on the boat dock one day and letting my toes just hang in the water. And I'm like, I love this. And I can't imagine being anywhere else. It just, when you get to the lake, everything just dissipates. And we started having friends come up from Columbus. I started selling lake homes with them. I'm wearing flip-flops and t-shirts and shorts and having beer and wine on a boat. And I'm like... <laughs> Uh, this blows selling <laughs> residential back at home. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just start focusing on selling strictly lakefront homes. So in Columbus, I was about an hour from several different lakes. And uh, in Ohio, most lakes are out in the middle of nowhere um, and their destinations, usually second homes. So I had um, buyers wanting to see all these different lakes. And I just decided to call myself Central House Lakefront Specialist. And it took off. I mean, I couldn't even handle the business. And I realized, okay, there's so many people looking just strictly for lakefront homes. And then my own personal frustration when I was looking for a lake house, there wasn't one place I could go to to learn about all the different lakes. I didn't really know what lakes were out there. I had to drive around Ohio to find them because there was nothing even really on the internet back then. And, um, and just no place where I could just look for lakefront homes. And when I saw the niche and wanted to expand, um, Remax, uh, didn't allow for that uh, in the different territories. So I ended up um, looking out there to see if I could find a, you know, who has a niche real estate company just selling strictly lake homes. I saw the need for it. And that's when I stumbled upon Scott and um, eight years later, here we are. That's good. All right. So 
part of the beauty of, of doing this show is we always have a, a pre-interviews, which is good. We, we, we got some some other background that we'll, we'll, we'll touch on here in a second. Because what's good about this is during our pre-interview, the, the two of you learn something about each other that, that you didn't know. And I'll come back to, to, to Chris. You know, Chris, you, you have a degree. So what, mm-hmm. What's your degree in? That's right. Civil engineering. Civil you engineering. Know, <laughs> I know, Scott. <laughs> I still haven't. I need to go dig that, but I refuse to go into my basement and look through all those boxes to try and find it. It's just yeah, overwhelming. I won't believe it until I see proof. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah, civil engineering. And uh, actually in landscape architecture, not trees and stuff. It was site planning, like okay. how to... How do you design a neighborhood around a golf course and deal with the runoff? So all the civil engineering of uh, the architecture of the land. Right. You can well, you can speak the language well. That's right. There you go. I bring it up because you know a couple of things. One is the two, two of you have, have been partners now for eight years, and and you know like any partnership, you, you you always learn about each other, right? And so again, so you know Scott has an engineering you know background as well, so he he didn't believe it, right? And so you know which is okay, but. What I found exciting about it was you've always had that entrepreneurial bent to you, though, Chris, right? Because what happened was you, you graduated and you told the story. You said you couldn't wait to graduate and not use your degree because you because you decided to do oh. what instead. Right. OK, I didn't. When you asked me to back up, I thought maybe right. my going back that far would be too boring. But oh, no, this so is good happened, stuff. But I <laughs> so then I'll go back there. Yeah, I. Uh, back then, back in uh, the 80s, when I was in Ohio State University, OH. Um, I went to Michigan, by the way, so I can say F. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are true rivals then. Yes, we are. Uh, yeah, no. So back then, uh, I sat with a four inch thick AutoCAD book. And for my senior project in uh, student design, I had to teach I had to teach myself how to do AutoCAD and put in each coordinate just to make a street, curb, or anything and everything. It was re- tedious. Twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, we slept in our studios, and uh, it was uh, when I graduated from college. I was like, I don't want to do this ever again. I'm fried, I'm done. And I actually (laughs) walked into, um, back then they used to have travel agents. I walked in, I just wanted to travel. I graduated college, I wanna travel. So I walked into an American Express travel agency and I said, hey, I'll work for free. I can teach myself AutoCAD. Um, Can I I do this? So it was really neat because I ended up getting hired on with American Express uh, working with their business clients. Um, at, back then, there wasn't the internet. So you had to, uh, companies had to fly to Scottsdale to, you know, Colorado to have their annual meetings. And um, so I did a lot of the hotel searching and all of that, but I got to get some really affluent connections with the people up in the uh, executive level of the business. And that also helped with me with, um, uh, you know, most people buying second homes um, are either retiring or they're uh, business, small business owners or executives buying a second home. And um, a majority of them, not all of them, but that helped then um, train me with working with, you know, that clientele also. 
So. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the important points I want to kind of bring out. You know, there's things that we do along the way that we don't necessarily know when we're doing it, what benefit it might have. But again, you have the entrepreneurial spirit. So, hey, whatever my degree is, kind of throw it aside. Let me jump into something else that I want to try out. And your point, now getting to expose those folks. So that helped a lot with what you and Scott are doing now. There's also something else you did as part of, you know, during your real estate time, you got involved in a franchise called Dream Dinners for a little bit. I want to touch on that again, because again, it ties into what you guys are doing right now. But so you, that, that was an exposure for you to get exposed to what a franchise was like. So talk about that, that for just a minute. Isn't it funny how every part of your life just kind of weaves itself together to create this journey that builds you up for something that for me, for that I love. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. I know what you're saying. Look at your college degree. How many, how many college graduates don't come close to using what they just studied for four or five years? Oh, right. You just don't. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's a, that's for another show, you know? Well, right. on top of that, you know, in Ohio, you have to have a college degree in order to be a broker. That's not the same in every state, but in Ohio it is. And oh, is that right? Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. So thank God I got it because, you know, had I just said, oh, I just want to go into real estate, that would have been a different journey. But with, uh, yeah, so when I went through my, when I went through my divorce before real estate took off for me, uh, a girlfriend of mine was pursuing uh, this Dream Dinners franchise, which is the coolest concept. They're still out there. This is, I really need to go and do it. You actually imagine 12 salad bar stations, if you want to say, but you know, you have like lasagna at one and chicken piccata at another. You actually go to dream dinners, assemble your meal for an entire month in two hours and you just freeze them. So, it, it, you know, to help the busy family. But uh, Val Delaney, my dearest friend in the world, still great friends. Um, we bought this franchise together and started that. And within a year though, my, I couldn't believe my real estate started taking off through the roof and I couldn't manage both being a single mom. So um, uh, we ended up friendly as she was wanting to go with that. I was wanting to go with real estate, but I got to understand through all that, how an FDD works and the startup of a business. It was just a really good training camp for me and a stepping stone to um, for what I eventually would do with Scott. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. That, that's helpful now. Okay, Scott, we've given you a chance to rest your voice a little bit. It, it's, it's okay. We're on the radio. It's, it's a good radio voice, kind of that, that deep, raspy voice will be good. So so mm -hmm. you, you're working in corporate America. You were doing a lot of detailed work. You were actually using your degree, it sounded like, you know, unlike some of us. You were actually using your degree for, 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 for what you were doing. But you had, you had the epiphany that, that, that wanted you to kind of leave. And so the first thing you started doing, is you, you mentioned you started flipping houses, right? And so, you know, because, you know, you, you know, talk about that in terms of how you decided to kind of start doing that. And then that, that led you to get your real estate license. So just touching that briefly in terms of how that kind of progressed. Yeah, well, I think it goes with what Chris said. I, I had a father who is, I mean, still is a jack of all trades. And, um, and so I learned a lot from him. So when I got out of uh, the corporate world, I, I didn't really know where I was going, but I, I could just only do what I knew how to do. And one of those things was work on houses. And I was pretty good at that. So I said, well, why don't I try this flipping thing? And I started buying houses and fixing them up and selling them. This was before the flipping craze, I guess, of the last 10 years or so. But um, that worked, that went really well. In fact, it went so well that, um, you know, I was always giving my flip homes to another realtor to sell. And I said, well, I think it just makes sense for me to get my license so I can sell them myself and I'll get some commission on that side too. So that's really the way it led into a real estate thing. Uh, was from flipping homes. Okay. 
And uh, Chris talked about how she was very big into getting coaching and, and really kind of gobbling things up. And when, when we uh, talked to get, get ready this for a show, you'd mentioned one of our favorite books of all time, Scott, which is The E-Myth Revisited by, by, by Michael Gerber. And it was one of the, the great inspirations for Jack and I. We were we were coaching for a couple of years before we, we knew what to call it. We, we were just helping people out. And then we had a client recommend the book to us. So we started reading about it and said, hey, what's this business coaching thing all about? And so we started investigating, you know, investigating E-Myth. But there was something that was in that, that that really hit home for you, Scott. You know, talk about what that was that kind of really hit right, right between the eyes in terms of when you're starting to kind of build this business. Yeah, I think um, so. When I was in the corporate world, I did a lot of documentation, so and I liked it, which is you know most people don't. So you know, creating documentation and <laughs> including your partner, right? Well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, this works so well. Um, but you know, one of the things I learned in the E method was they always said, "Build every business like there's going to be ten thousand more just like it," and that really resonated with me. And I said, "Well, how do you do that?" And it's about building systems that are repeatable. Um, and that are teachable. And, you know, I think when you do that, um, then you can easily sell what we sell, which is a business in a box, right? That's what any franchise system is. It's just something that already functions. It's already proven. And it has the systems to get somebody from A to B uh, and where they want to be. So to me, I've always built, you know, documentation and, and, um, and other processes, just like there's going to be 10,000 more of these. So when Chris, you know, came knocking on the door and said, what do you think about franchising? I said, well, yeah, I've been preparing for that, I guess, unbeknownst to me. <laughs> and, and come back to your point, Chris, all of a sudden, you know, you, you have some ideas, all of a sudden, you know, the, the person just, you know, starts to appear, you know, the, 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 you know, when you know what you're looking for, all of a sudden they, they start to appear. So you, you were kind of building it that way. And we, we heard from Chris in terms of what she was going through. And you mentioned you, you, you had a good partner now with, with your, with your dream dinners piece, but you also mentioned with Remax, you, you had a good partner, uh, and the, the issue wasn't that it wasn't a good partner it was that you wanted to kind of go national. You, you, you were looking bigger, Chris, and your partner were kind of wanted to stay local. So you started kind of looking around to kind of find that's when you, when you found Scott, you know, Scott, w w when you're kind of building this, you're doing all the documentation, everything else, had you already, you know, started to franchise or you, you thought about it, you know, how, you know, when you got that call, was it, was it a call? Was it an email? You know, what was the first connection between the two of you? Well, it depends on which one of us you ask. Because <laughs> I'm not really sure how it went down. I, I remember it a little differently, but I think, um, I think Chris and I both believe in the same thing: is that people come in and out of your lives at a certain time for a certain reason, and uh, for whatever reason, we were, we were meant to find each other, and um, even though we we're so many miles apart, we did. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't really remember the exact reason, but I think we were both searching for the same thing and, and found each other that way. All right, Chris, give us your side of the story. Oh, well, and on, on top of that, what's so funny is my husband, to top it all off, we didn't even know this. So we decided when we met, each, when we processed this whole idea with each other, uh, we're like, you know, I guess, you know, it's all on the phone. And we're like, I guess we should actually meet each other and see if we really like each other. And so we met at Lake Fleur, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous lake in uh North, North Carolina and uh, where they filmed Dirty Dancing and Last of the Mohicans. But um, so my husband and I went down there and we're on this boat, uh, rented a pontoon boat for the day just to go out and just hang out. And here we find out that Bruce and Scott were born on the exact same day, the same year. We still don't know who's older though, uh, if you or Bruce is. We don't have timestamps, I don't think. 
But um, we just hit I'm it up. Two I'm hours. I think I'm two hours older and that much wiser than he is. Yeah. So. <laughs> you'll you'll let him know that for sure, Chris. That's good. That's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. We have a bromance. The two of them. I mean, their cigars. It's just like, okay, can we talk business, please? So, uh, but it's it's fun. It's been fun. That's good. We all need a taskmaster, Chris. That's good to keep these boys in line, right? All right. So. So, so you guys hit it off not only on the phone, but then, you know, obviously, and, and if, if the spouse likes you, that, that's always very helpful, right? Because again, if not, you know, because we often will joke or talk about the business being that mistress or that, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that other child, but it, there's a lot of time that goes in the business. So if your spouse is comfortable with your partner, that makes it, be, it makes it a little bit easier from that standpoint, because, you know, you, you can understand each other and, and certainly enjoy it from that standpoint. So, so you start to get together and, and the idea of starting a franchise. Okay. So, how does one start to kind of do that? So again, talk about that, that process early on and, and, and how you approach it. Cause the way, the way the two of you approach it, I think is also very different. It's not mm-hmm. this kind of hands off, you know, arm's length, they were the franchise or you're the franchisee type thing, you know, talk about kind of how you approach and, and Scott, you even hit that, that you, the two of you look at the world the same way, have, have some, you know, kind of shared values. So talk about kind of how you started this thing kind of going and, and got it, got it off the ground. Well, I think, you know, we didn't, neither one of us knew a lot about franchising at all. So there was a big learning curve there and a lot of reading and a lot of video watching. But um, I think we knew because we both had experience with, you know, big box realtor, uh, real estate companies in the past. Um, We knew what we didn't want to be. So we just started from there and say, okay, here's what we don't want to do. That's different than any other real estate company out there. And I think once we made that decision, then kind of what we did want to be came into fruition. That makes sense. And I think also too, at that point, I was only a sales agent. I wasn't a broker. And uh, um, I had a lot of fear actually going in this. I mean, I jumped off the mountain of faith with all of this because um, (laughs) the thought of, well, I'm not a test taker and I'm embarrassed to even say I failed it three times you know what that was like having to call up Scott because you have to take it every two weeks on the third time I passed it on the fourth time the third time I'm like got out of the test I'm like I don't know how on earth I'm going to call him and tell him this like <laughs> just waiting for me to get my broker's license I'm like um yeah so okay well there well, aren't many civil engineering questions on that test so maybe that's why you can do that's the reason that's it oh my gosh I'm just, I'm not a, I have, I have, it's a whatever disability kind of a thing with test taking for me. So, but anyway, so we decided with me to, Scott to mentor me on his systems as if I were just, say we recruited a franchisee out there that was a sales agent. So we recorded and documented everything from the test to me having to get, um, you know, my, uh, a business brokerage the license with the state to my doing business as and setting up an earnest account and went through the whole process that somebody actually has to go through with me and then he worked with me on the systems that he had developed and trained me and then he created kind of a manual um, an operations manual that's all online that's amazing um, and w- what was really interesting I don't know if I shared this I was still at the point where I was so used to doing all of my own transactions. I had agents that had, I had buyers agents and stuff, but if they were the big deals, I I, I admit I was, I was a mooch and I kept them. And so Scott kept saying to me, listen, you're going to have to give these to your agents and let 
them work the business and not you, because my business was running me. I wasn't running my business. And um, that was the hardest thing to let go of those first few transactions. And now I'm like, oh boy, please. No, I don't, you know, I, it, it's much, much easier to lead agents and help them. And I'm really passionate about that and our franchisees too, um, than um, working within the business and running my brain into the ground. Okay. So, so, so it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns to start with. There, there were some challenges, but it sounded like it was a great test case. So all of a sudden now you're the guinea pig, let's say, right, Chris, in terms of you know going through stuff. It also gave Scott now a chance to kind of, he, he had stuff in his mind, he kind of documented, but until you start to to present it and kind of let it out and see how, if I can teach it this way, you know, does it resonate? You know, and so all of a sudden he, he was starting to be able to see, oh, gee, I thought I had this piece locked down. I'm seeing these quizzical looks from Chris going, it's not, it's, it's not landing. Okay, we, we have to adjust this stuff. So, you know, so you were able to take the, the foundation he had, but then start to really perfect it and, and make it better. But it also helped you. So it's a, a nice synergy to kind of start with from that standpoint and helps you get ready. To, okay, so you're, you know, you're up and going, you know, ready to go. And, and you should wear that as a badge of honor. Again, you know, you know, well, it takes you twice, three, four, you know, it doesn't matter if you keep trying and, and find ways to kind of get through it. If, if that's what you needed to kind of get where, get where you're going, that's fantastic, right? So, so you, you, you got through this stuff, you know, this, the first couple of years together, you know, getting that kind of down and, and getting things ready to go. How many years in before you started to have your, your first franchisee? I think we were good. <clears throat> we were a good year and a half in, I think, before we had the first one come on. Okay. Yeah, we had, uh, I'll tell you, working with, a, a, we hired a franchise attorney, just understanding all that language um, and developing that, you know, what a, there were so many questions that she presented us that we just never had thought about. So that took time to build that and then getting me up and uh, running and really forming what are, what are we going to sell here? What is it we're going to offer to people? And um, so it was not, it was nice to have that year and a half to just really get, you know, acclimated to it. And then, um, and then it was exciting with our two fr uh, first franchisees. Um, we decided just, let's just work with them and make sure what we're doing with me is actually going to work with other people uh, before we really go out there full scale. And, um, and so it's been exciting to watch the success that they've had as well. Well, that's a good point because I kept telling people, you know, if something works in New England, it's going to work anywhere. And I tell, I told myself that a lot. And, you know, one thing I learned was that that's just not the case. You know, when we moved into other markets and this is probably true of any business, but, you know, we live in our own little world, our own little real estate world. And they always say real estate, all real estate is local. And I think, you know, a business model that works in one place doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work somewhere else. And uh, that took some time and took some adjustment. Um, but, you know, I think picking the right partners to have in other areas is key because, you know, they've, they've got to be willing to, you know, help us develop at the same time. I think, I don't think you ever fully develop a franchise system. I think it's in constant state of flux. You know, in the corporate world, we used to say that, um, you know, if you, if you don't have a big pile of scrap on the floor, then you're doing something wrong. So. You know, I think you're always you're always adjusting, you're always changing, and you always have to adapt for the times and the market that you're in. And if you get really good partners on board, especially early on, um, that'll certainly help your success. That's that's a great point, Scott. You know, it's one of those things people will often talk about trying to get their their business their business systematized, get everything kind of documented, ready to go, so it just kind of runs itself. And 
it's one of those fallacies you know, to your point you know the, the business is a living breathing thing and so things need to adjust and modify it's, it's a natural evolution of that um you mentioned something when we were first talking that I found very fascinating in terms of how did you decide if a, a franchisee is going to be good for you or not? And you described what you guys talk about as being the campfire test. So talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit in terms of what does that mean, this, this whole campfire test? Chris, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, you go through, um, I've had several phone calls this week where you, you meet someone on the phone and you look at their online, you know, profile, whatever. But at the end of the day, you want someone that you could just hang out at a campfire in the evening and you just like each other. There has to be that, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Scott, help me. I don't know. Commonality. Commonality, connection, and you have to like them because, I mean, for the first 30 days, you're hand in hand with them, helping them get everything up and, and you got to just really like each other. Um, so we like to go and meet our, fran uh, we call them our partners or franchisees and, um, just go out to dinner with them and hang out with them. And we've, when we finally get to the point where we've been through the FDD, we've been through all the questions, we think it's a fit. We go there to visit them and just hang out. It's not a, um, you know, a checklist of things, but go out to dinner, hang out, go out on the boat and just see if it's a match. So that's right. That's really what it nice. is. Nice, nice life. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I think you you either want to you either want to stay around the campfire, or you keep looking at your watch, and either one of those things is going to tell you what you need to know at that point. Right. Oh, good uh, test. Right? Good way to do it. Yeah, it sounds like you know if you get folks who are comfortable with their own skin. I think to your point, if all of a sudden you, you, you go hang out by the campfire on a lake with these folks and they're afraid of the water or, or they don't, you know, whatever it is, like that's not their lifestyle. It's like, okay, well, look, this probably is not going to be for you. Maybe you'd be, be a great realtor, but not within this niche market, right? You, they have to probably buy into that that part too, or the whole, because again, both of you came to that, you know, again, Scott, you grew up with it in terms of the lakefront living. And, and Chris, you came to it you know, later in life, but you seem to fall in love with it instantly, right? So I think that's, that's one of the bonds that the two of you have. I got to believe that the folks who are going to be your franchise, or, I'm sorry, your partners, I would call them wrong, your partners have to have, have to have that same kind of quality too, I would think. And so that's why to me, it made sense when you, you talk about the, the campfire test, that, that's perfect. Because it, it, to me, that encapsulates that lakefront living to a certain extent, right? Because every night ends with the camp, campfire, doesn't it? Isn't that how it's supposed to be? S'mores and all that good stuff and, and big bugs and crawly, creepy things. Yeah, that, that's, that's part of it, isn't it? That's all part of it. It was so funny when, when Bruce and I first met Scott the first night, uh, we actually met him in the evening. We went on the boat the next day, but that first evening, Bruce and I were at a restaurant and please don't think I'm an alcoholic by saying this, but um, I enjoy wine. My husband enjoys bourbon. And, um, but I had shared with Scott up to this point, I, I just have a really strong faith. So in all of our conversations on the phone and everything, I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm sharing about how I felt that the Lord had led me and all this kind of stuff. So when we first meet, Scott orders first a um, a soda. He's soda. I forget how you say it. You're <laughs> soda. East Coast. What was it? Pop. I forget. And um, and Bruce and I are like, oh boy, should we not order alcohol? And I'm like, after this day traveling here, I'm ordering. I'm like, I have a glass of wine. Bruce gets his bourbon, and Scott's like, oh hell, okay, great, yay. I didn't know. And so it was, it was perfect, right? are we, where are we at when this campfire? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be me. 
Um, I love my wine. So it was, it, it's funny how those campfires, I don't we know. That look out for each other. That's right. Funny. That's, that's interesting. So one of the things that's key, um, and we were talking before, before we got on here about partnerships and, and Jack and I are always amazed at how partnerships often get a bad name. And we, for the life of us, can't figure out why that's the case. And when you have partners, if you have burdens, the beauty of it is you have the partner to share the burden with. So it helps lighten that load. And when you have successes, you get to celebrate and that success magnifies itself, right? So from our standpoint, having partners and having good partners, you know, is, is fantastic. So if we talk about the, the, the two of you, you know, what are some of the things that you think have been kind of keys for you to having a su successful partnership that the two of you had for these last eight years? Well, it's funny you say that. <clears throat> I think when I told Chris that first meeting, we were on the lake in Lake Lore, and I said, I'm just the kind of person that I'm kind of the Paul McCartney, but I really needed John Lennon next to me to do my best work. And, you know, could I have done this on my own? I don't know but I wouldn't want to do it and then turn around to high five somebody when I'm a success and there's nobody there. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. So I feel like, um, you know, you can just do much more and be more successful with a partner, but it's, it's gotta be the right person. I think, I think they get a bad name because so many of them don't work. And to me, well, at least what I've seen is, you know, you and Jack, I think you've got two good people, good hearted people. I think it just comes down to good people. And if, there's nothing that can't be worked through, you know, in a partnership if you've got two good people, no matter what the subject or topic is. Well said. I agree 100% with that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we, we talk about that often. And it's it's a rarity to have that meshing, you know. And so if it and when it comes along, boy, you got to grab it with both hands and, and don't let it go. Right. It's it's uh, very difficult to, to find that person. All the millions of people we have in this country, it's tough. So, but that's right. Nothing, I mean, it's right at the top of the list. You know, it gives you right. fulfillment, gives you good feelings, gives you, gives you everything you need. So yes, very important. Good people when you see them, covet it. I think too, with Scott and I, um, this is, we knew taking this on, we even said at the very beginning on Lake Lur, let's give this five years and see if this is a go and let's see if we let's meet again in five years and see hey do we want to keep this going or, or this didn't go this flopped and the whole process has been um making some mistakes and learning and um but i think what i've learned in my journey with scott is that he's just so forgiven and saying okay well we know not what to do now and um he's um, so, so amazing at creating everything that he's created. I sometimes feel like um, because he has is the mastermind behind the website and creating the systems, that's his gift and he's brilliant at it. I just sometimes have struggled with, oh my gosh, am I not, not holding my end of the weight because you create all these things. But he constantly is reassuring me and saying, you know what, I, I, I couldn't do this without you. And I'm glad to have you on board. So I think when you do question yourself, because everybody gets to that point at some point, um, to have uh, getting through hard times, celebrating the good times and, you know, our family's vacation, we vacation with our franchisees and it's just a good relationship now, um, not just a business, so. It's nice when that happens, yes. Yeah. 
And what I guess when you vacation with your with your franchisees, you guys vacation by a lake somewhere, I'm guessing, right? So it can Woohoo, Lake of the Ozarks. And Tennessee <laughs> Lake too, in Tennessee. <laughs> that makes it a business trip because you're you're doing market research, right? So that's that's an important part of uh, of doing it the right way, isn't it? Dollar right off. All right. <clears throat> well, you're, you're touching on that, Chris. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, you talk about having embracing people for their different gifts versus kind of getting frustrated with it. I think that's what you, you talk about. You just, you know, um, you know, we're maybe you're harder on yourself than your partners at times, or you also you wish you had the certain things versus going, look, you are who you are. You know, pl you know, play to your strengths, right? You know, exactly. you know, you know. Again, you know, he still wants to see that degree, but again, as you described, the painstaking CAD, <laughs> I, I, I could picture that and say, okay, yeah, this is exactly what. I, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I, I'll do it to get this degree, but that's it. And then, you know, I choose my goal. Let's, let's kind of move on. It's like, okay, I'll take that test. I'll pass test and then I'm done. Let me move on to, you know, to what I'm trying to get to. Right. Um, and so again, you know, and having that partnership or something, the two of you do complement each other very, very well from that standpoint, you know, in terms of, so as you're talking to, to, to a new potential partner, um, you know, I'm guessing one of you would connect very quickly with, with that potential you know, franchisee because of just your natural styles. And so it makes it easier for you guys to let one take the lead versus the other, what's kind of going on. And so I think having that, you know, that kind of balance. Um, you also mentioned something as well, which I'm guessing came from, from your history, Chris, you know, you've had different partnerships, you know, if we include marriages that as well, you know, you mm -hmm. mentioned about getting a contract in place ahead of time in case things go south. And that's something that you guys yeah. actually did. Kind of like a prenuptial. There you yep. go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Learn that one the hard way. Um, you know, because usually when you when two partners have uh, decided to do something, it's such a great idea and you're so excited that you don't ever think it's going to um, uh, end. You really don't. So think true. It's, you just don't think that you're just so excited. And so um, in my one real estate business, I had a partnership in real estate and oh, my gosh, we were the best friends and loved each other. We just had two different visions and um, we never talked or discussed. Well, how do we break this up? And who gets the Facebook and who doesn't? And that's, that's huge, you know, in real estate. And it was just things we never discussed. And, um, and so, you know, we learned from, from that, you know, so we came up with an agreement beforehand of how things would go and a pre, yeah, that's good. A pre prenup, prenup, I like it. <laughs> well, you, you, you talk about it again, if all of a sudden, if things are going well, we're, we're just getting kind of started here. If we can't, you know, as you learn about each other, as you're, as you're negotiating and talking about, it, right? So if also, if, if things are going well, we can't get through these discussions. Okay, well, if things aren't going well, you, you know, it's not going to go very well. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that uh, we learned early on, one of our first clients was an equal partnership, 50-50, right? And that was tough because about 12 years in, they fell out of love with each other, right? And it wasn't like a knockdown, drag it out, but they would literally walk by the halls, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't talk to each other, and so the, the other people there could kind of feel it. And so we came in as kind of like marriage counselors coming in to help them get on the same page again. And it was bad for the business because you know, with them being equal, they couldn't make decisions, like you know. And so things just got stuck, you know, you know, kind of going around. And so um, I think if they had had that discussion early on before they they became partners, again, let's hash it out now and see what the, what those hot points are. Let's negotiate now where we're all kind of calm and feeling good about each other versus when we're pissed at each other, kind of you know, and going right. after each other, right? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't want to go through that again. <laughs> all right. So if we have some 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 realtors listening to this, if they're thinking, well, look, I love Lake stuff too. I got this stuff all kind of figured out. So why on earth? With some realtor, either who's currently a realtor, why would they want to, you know, purchase a franchise from you guys? Or if somebody's maybe 
thinking about maybe they have some degree that they aren't they aren't too excited about they're thinking hey this sounds like a cool idea i'd love to be doing you know business and flip-flops and shorts okay mm-hmm. you know so you know give us a little bit of that pitch in terms of you know what is lakefront living all about in terms of why would somebody kind of join join up with you and buy a franchise well i think <clears throat> chris you want me to take that Go ahead, and then I'll jump on. Okay. <laughs> so correct you along the way. It's all right, Scott. It's good. That's exactly. So I think, um, you know, the best way to answer that is to picture what really happens out in the world. So let's say you're on Lake of the Ozarks, and you're an agent, and there's 450 other agents that uh, work on Lake of the Ozarks. So how do you stand out? How do you become the number one agent in that territory? How do you get buyers and sellers to call you rather than 300 some other agents. So that's where really our systems come into play as we, we teach those agents how to become the go-to agent on that lake. So, and we do that through really specialization techniques and the power of niche marketing. Everything we do, our systems are built around that power and, uh, and that's what enables them to do. So why would somebody wanna do that? Well, if they wanna just keep doing the business they're doing, that's fine. But if they really wanna be one of those top tier, top three, top 10 agents on that lake, especially a big lake like that in a big territory. Um, that's what our systems do for them. You know, it was funny too. Um, yesterday I got a phone call. We just signed on. We're excited. Um, uh, Glenn Smith with New Hampshire, Glenn and Angela. Uh, last week, I think, was that last week or two weeks yeah. ago? Anyway, so yesterday I got a phone call um, from someone wanting to list their home with Glenn. And he's like, are you the owner of Lakefront Living? I was like, kind of explained to him who I was. He goes, well, I'm thinking of listing my home with this guy, but I don't know anything about you. And he's, of course, is going to try and sales pitch me. So could you explain to me exactly what it is you guys do and why on earth should I list my home with him? And it was either realtors or even sellers. We offer something it's crazy now. Most people, since especially since COVID too, when they're looking for a lake home, they don't know where they want to look at. Uh, it used to be you were within two hours of your home, but now we're seeing such a national pool of uh, uh, people out west, especially uh, coming to the east, and they know I maybe want to be in North Carolina, South Carolina. Oh, there's lakes in Alabama. Um, our website has that information that is not out there for someone looking. It's the only uh, tool for people searching for a lake home. So for the seller, for instance, I'm telling them your your house is going to be featured on a website where people nationally are now going to. We have over 110,000 views a month to our website and it's growing. Um, we're, our franchise is growing. So we're getting a national pool in. Um, so I think that distinguishes us with the niche, but also for the realtor, um, having that tool, having that presence. I Now when I go to my uh, lakes in Ohio, I'm not competing with um, the other agents anymore. I, I We're getting the business. I'm competing now with uh, the for sale by owner who thinks they can do it all on their own. <laughs> but um, I don't know if I answered that directly. I'm a rambler. So no, you did. No, that's, <laughs> that's good. But I think just go ahead. Sorry. No, no, this is good. So, so you're eight years into this five-year trial, as you, as you kind of said earlier, right? You, you're <laughs> five-year trial. So 
a uh, couple of questions. One is, so how many franchisees do you have right now? And then what do you see over the next, you know, the next five or 10 years? Because one of the things you mentioned to us is, you know, it's key to have that aligned vision for the two of you. So, so where are you right now? And, and then where do you see this thing going over the next, let's say 10 years or so? So we're in, we're in nine, <clears throat> excuse me, nine states right now. And five of those are franchisees, uh, partners, as we say. And, um, you know, we took a different approach because we really want them to take over their entire state wherever they are. So, you know, our long-term goal was always to have maybe 50 or 100 of these max across the country. Um, and so over the next uh, five years, if we can grow by, you know, two or three per year, that would be great growth for us. And um, we'll see how many states we can get put together here. Okay. So eventually having every state covered with, you know, with, with one of your franchisees and if, you know, those become tremendously valuable, I got to that point. So it's a good pitch to your, your franchisees. If, if they want to eventually get out of it, they've now built something that, that they own. And, and I know that's often probably challenging for a lot of, I'm not, I don't know about the real estate market, but you know, as I understand a lot of times it's not, you don't own your stuff. You're, you know, you have to just kind of walk away. So for them to be able to build something like this to have, that's very unique. And I think what you're saying from a, a trend standpoint, you aren't seeing lakefront living going down. There's a big increase in this thing, right? And it's often, you know, and, and there are different markets too. I mean, Scott, when we talked before, you mentioned about yours are really folks that, that, that live there 24 seven, whereas Chris, you're saying your market's more kind of that second home type thing, right? And so depending yeah. on you know, kind of who they're going after, there's different a, a different market and, and different messaging for it, but it's a great chance for somebody to kind of build that business that, that's very unique, that's very niched. And, you know, Again, there's always gonna be people that, that wanna live by water, you know? And so that's a, a fantastic uh, a fantastic business for folks to kind of grow and be able to kind of build from that standpoint, sounds like. Yeah, and Adam, and to piggyback on what you just said, you know, there's um, only so many lake houses out there. And so the supply and de demand always, and even in 08, when the market crashed, um, I actually sold more lake homes because people didn't wanna invest in um, the stock market, they're like, they wanted something tangible, but, you know, with, uh, with the realtors and distinguishing themselves and being part of a niche with what Scott said, I think that's just, um, that's just huge. Well, we got more and more people working from home now, right? I mean, the last two years taught us that, um, you know, people, if they, I think it's something like 56% of the country now can work from home full time. So, so they're saying to themselves, well, if I can do that, why not live on a lake while I'm doing it? And, um, or it could be an ocean or it could be a golf course, whatever it is. But I think, you know, people are more focused on how they want to live now and not just where. So it's not just a zip code anymore. It's, you know, it's more of a lifestyle kind of factor. And, you know, we seem to put ourselves in that niche of kind of ahead of that curve, which worked out pretty well for us. So the summer is going to be very telling. You know, I, I was talking to my CPA. He's with a fairly big firm. They just got acquired. And he was, uh, I was asking him about how the office is filling up. So you have about 400 people at, at his office. And I, I didn't know this, or at least I didn't think of it this way. But he said, out of those 400 people, he said, uh, we, we started encouraging them to come, come back. And so we got 15 people. He said, so we turned up 15, the heat up one, a little one bit. Five, 15, okay, one five. Wow. <laughs> we turned the heat up a little bit and they ended up getting 35. He said, the, the, you know, this generation just doesn't want to work. Yeah, that's what they, they've concluded. 
they can't get the people there. They can't drag them in there. They, know they have to drag them in there unless they give yeah. them some more kind of incentives. But uh, it's going to, you know, stuff is just starting that, you know, changing the, the country and its customs mm -hmm. and its approach to work, approach to a lot of things. It's kind of an exciting time. It is. A lot has changed. Mm -hmm. but it, I think, <laughs> and I think some companies found, you know, that they, they can get the same productivity done, if not even more sometimes with, with work class working from home. So it's a really interesting dynamic and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where it goes in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's, what's, you know, what's funny. I have an 18 year old, 15 year old and, and what's become apparent during this pandemic is that they're going to be the first generation that doesn't have to live and work in the same place. I think to, to your point, Scott, right? So, okay. So now I choose, well, where do I want to live? And again, if I can work remotely, I choose where I want to live. And so why not have my office be, whether it be a boat or at least viewing water, where it might be, they have that, you know, you know, that way it's right there versus I have to commute back and forth, do all these kind of things. And so, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited for both of you, right. Just in terms of kind of higher, yes. kind, of, you know, kind of where you are. Um, so, so we're going to be very interested in, in kind of tracking your progress as things go along, but we, we really appreciate you guys coming on today to be able to kind of share some of your story with us. And uh, it's, you know, just congratulations on, on all your success to date. Um, it seems like you guys, like I said, you have a fantastic partnership um, that, that has been going very, very well. And you're going to, you know, help to, to reverse that, that negative partnership, you know, mantra that's out there. It, you know, we, we want to celebrate that there's a lot of great partnerships that are out there, but uh, really appreciate uh, Scott, Chris, for, for, for joining us today, be able to share some of your story with our audience. They really appreciate it. Yes, very much so. You guys are great. You know, we're going to put a link to Chris's uh, civil engineering degree at the bottom of this video. That's right. I'm sure. I'm sure he's already talked to your husband about trying to try and dig it out and see if he can find it because they're probably working behind the scenes on something, Chris. So you, you, you better watch out, right? So <laughs> excellent. All right. Well, Thank you so much, Adam and Jacka. This has been great. You guys are wonderful and a blessing to be here. <laughs> our pleasure we really enjoy it yes. and, uh, and for our audience uh thank you for joining us for another uh episode of dirty secrets of small business if you missed any of our prior episodes you can get them all at our website dirty secrets of small business.com uh, better yet if you have a smart device you can go subscribe to it on your favorite podcast player just search for dirty secrets of small business we usually drop a new episode every thursday so it'll be, it'll be delivered right to your device there if you want to leave us a review that'd be fantastic if you go to our website of dirtysecretsofsmallbusiness.com and you can search there under the episodes, there's a search box there. You can put in a question. Usually we've got a bunch of episodes that will address that question. If not, you know, you can feel free to email us at radio at maximumvp.com or give us a call 877-849-0670. So that's our show for, for uh, this week. Thanks again for joining us and everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.